Coming up next on The Jeff Curley Show, she was bullied as a child, but she turned that pain into purpose, her incredible journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Curley, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is The Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I was bullied in high school. I remember I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to afford my own clothes. My father was a minister in downtown Detroit. And so for the first um, maybe 15 years of my life, I was wearing hand-me-downs that would normally go to the homeless. Uh, but I didn't suffer the same kind of bullying that Maddie Frankies did. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Maddie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, she's yeah. an author, speaker, uh, advocate. We're gonna learn a lot about her in the next 20 minutes. Uh, let's talk about childhood. What, what were you bullied for? Well. My childhood really started in North Carolina. Um, we grew up in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, I had a very idyllic childhood. You know, we were 15 minutes from the beach. You could smell the ocean when you'd walk out on the porch. I mean, then my father lost his job and he, we moved to this foreign land called Texas. Um, and when we moved here, we actually ended up in Section 8 housing and I went to a Title I school. And so for me, all of that was shaping this early experience, what I would do later on in the future. Eventually we moved out of that area and I was very, very different um, from most of the kids that we moved into. So I moved into one of the wealthiest, now wealthiest areas of Texas um, in Allen, Texas. And I looked very different from the kids. My dad was probably the darkest man that those kids had ever seen um, in that community. And so I very much so like you didn't fit in. Um, I wore track suits that made the swishing sound. I wore the slick back ponytails and I loved learning and I loved science. Um, and so from a very early age, I learned what cruelty looked like from other people. Um, I cannot recount to you the amount of times that I would sit down willing to try to make friends at a lunch table and everyone would get up. I cannot count the amount of times that I ate lunch by myself in the bathroom and crying into my sandwich so people wouldn't hear me. Um, so I learned at a very young age um, how to be resilient for myself, how to stand up for myself, but also how to be independent. I spent a lot of my time in elementary school in the library, which kind of leads to what I do now uh, with literacy advocacy and as an author. Wow. She is so inspirational and you're going to learn so much more about her. Let's talk about literacy. So that's always been a part of who you yeah. are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would say that books became an escape for me uh, at a very, very early age. Um, in third grade, I was in the library constantly on a regular basis. And it's very interesting coming out of poverty, coming out of Title I school, I missed that third grade literacy benchmark. So all of the success that I had today, I was told at a young age I would never be successful because I missed this one essential benchmark. Um, but I am the living proof that it is possible to come out of that. And it's because of community intervention. 
attention. It's because of my librarian in third grade who placed the lightning thief into my hands. And to get to see that red thread throughout my life and the sovereign hand over that, that that is the book that I used when I was at the United Nations to help secure millions of dollars worth of deals for um, the World Literacy Foundation for the work that we're doing right now in communities around the world. And let's talk about the UN. And as we're talking about yeah. the UN, we're going to take uh, you on a little field trip because <laughs> there you are. How cool was that? Was <laughs> it, that was your first uh, trip to the UN? That was actually my first trip to New York at all. Really? Um, so I had never been to New York. You know, mm -hmm. you hear you're from Texas, right? So sure. you hear about New York. But I really had a great time. It was very overwhelming to be 25 years old in the presence of, well, international dignitaries, philanthropists, all of these different things. And you stand in actually particularly that room and you feel the weight of history. Um, you know, the General Assembly, it's huge. Everyone from around the world, there's about 191 countries that are represented there. And it is that weight of history, that weight of responsibility at such a young age. Um, I think about audaciously, I prayed a prayer about a year and a half ago that I said, Lord, you've given me a voice. You've given me a story, um, pain, but it's being used for purpose. Um, and I read that verse that's in Proverbs 18, and it talks about your gifts and your talents will bring you before kings. And I felt like that was written for me. And audaciously, I said, I believe you wrote this to me, bring me four kings. And then six months later, I was standing at the United Nations General Assembly. Wow. Okay, let's talk about literacy. What's the uh, situation like in the United States and what is, what is it like around the world? Right. Okay, so I was reading an article actually in the New York Times the other day that talked about 51% of students now today are not reading proficiently. And that's been exacerbated by the global pandemic that we had. Um, and that's really disheartening to see. In the state of Texas, one in four students aren't reading on grade level by the time they're third grade. So it's 25% of the population in Texas, 50% of the population and majority actually of the population in America are not reading at grade level. And so what this means is these students, these kids will more than likely have an encounter in um, Poverty, they will have an encounter in incarceration, um, and they will have less of an outcome for health. And so for me, I believe it's foundational for all of life, for flourishing, for human flourishing. And so if we can address this at a root cause at an early age by community intervention, then we can really make a difference for kids around the globe. And you are an author several times over. We're going to yes, put up your Amazon page. Ah! Uh, as you look at some of these books, uh, you know, which, what jumps out at you as, as oh. you know, Izzy Goes Digging, for sure. That was the first book that I published. Um, I, it's funny, I never thought I'd be an author. I was told in fourth grade by my fourth grade English teacher that I would one day be an author, and I laughed in her face. <laughs> I said, nope, not going to be me. I'm going to be a doctor. No thanks. Um, and then we hit the pandemic, you know, about 20 years later, and there's only so many times that you can watch Frasier over and over again before you get bored and just try to do something new. And so I sat down, and I hadn't written for a really long time, mostly because to tie back to that bullying story. Um, I was a writer at a young age. I was writing um, in my diary, in my journal. I was writing my feelings. I loved that experience. Um, but when your diary is taken by a kid that thinks it will be funny to read that to the whole class, that's traumatizing. Um, and so I set that pen down and I said, I'd never write again. And so the Lord used the pandemic to take up that moment. And Izzy Goes Digging is the product of that. And actually eight of the books that I've written and published today are because of I had that time. Wow. And when you write, is it all from personal experience or you, or you tell, tell me more about yeah. like what, what inspires uh, you? 
Izzy Goes Digging, that first book, is kind of my story, is my journey. Um, you know, I wanted to put it in a fantasy realm because that's what kids love to see. They love to see that. And so um, I created a dwarf who works in the diamond mines. And, you know, people pick on her because she's different. Um, she's a little bit bigger than everybody else. Um, she doesn't really fit in, but she works hard. And she's there every single day digging for gold, even though she never finds gold. By the end of the story, I don't want to spoil it for our audience, but she ends up finding something that is far more valuable than gold. And so it's really that picture of resilience, and that's what I want to show kids. Um, all the books that I've written so far actually have female protagonists. The next time that you're in Barnes & Noble, yes. I encourage you to look at the children's section, um, and you'll see that about 73% to 82% of the books that are written for children have male protagonists. Really? It's really fascinating. Um, and so I am somebody, I'm, I'm a female, I'm young, and I want other young women to see women who lead because that's important, it shapes that perspective. You know, the stories that we read as children shape the future of who we become. And so I want other young girls to see themselves as the hero of their own story. You're you're still very young, may I ask your age? I'm 25 years old. <laughs> Are you 25? Yes, sir. That's unbelievable. And she's had countless honors. Uh, we're gonna show a picture of you receiving, mm -hmm. I guess this is the uh, highest recognition for yes, Texas that women. that is the Yellow Rose of Texas Award. It was presented to me by the Texas State Board of Education. Um, and the governor, uh, Governor Abbott, actually, for my work in education and my work in literacy advocacy. Wow. Yes, sir. You're also a very accomplished speaker. <laughs> We're going to show your speaker page Ooh. and just some of the topics that you speak about. Uh, so do you enjoy speaking at schools? What do you, what do you like to talk about? I always say I'll go wherever they'll have me. <laughs> um, you know, I have curriculum and programs designed for, yes, elementary school kids, but I've also, uh, I speak with international dignitaries and CEOs and I've been in boardrooms. And um, most recently I was actually at a conference for teachers in Houston. And so it's wonderful. Oh, and I was at the World Literacy Summit. How did I forget that? Um, <laughs> I was at the World Literacy Summit in England, um, speaking to actually a delegation of over 600 people and 40,000 people from around the world. World, um, who tuned in and like a show kind of like this. And so that opportunity to share my heart, to share that journey, if I can inspire someone else to want to write the story that they want to read one day, that is the goal for me. So I will share, speak, write as much as possible because I pour myself out as a living sacrifice to hopefully make a difference for other people. Yeah. And you're a real Renaissance woman, woman because you, you've done so many different things. And one of the things that you've done has been a very successful competing in patches. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I want you to kind of narrate this. What, what oh. is it about the pageant world that attracts you? Oh, well, this goes back to four years ago. I graduated um, undergrad with biology pre-med, so totally different from what I do now. Um, and I get to the point where we're in this pandemic and I'm realizing that much of my life that I had lived um, had been trying to prove my worth to other people, had trying to prove my self-value to other people. That stems all the way back to the bullying story that we share. Um, and so I really thought, I sat down and said, mm, if I continue to live my life in this way, I'm going to burn up, I'm going to burn out, and I'm going to always feel like I lived without purpose. And so I took a break. I worked at Starbucks as a barista, um, and my mom said, you have to do something. Why don't you try this pageant? Because my mom grew up in Georgia, where mm -hmm. pageants are just huge. Like sure. All the young women do pageants in Georgia. Sure. Um, and so I tried it, and on my first local title out, I won my title. I won talent, and I won interview. And that's crazy. 
I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? Um, and I want Miss Congeniality. And that's, that's really? always a really fun thing is being there and loving on these women and encouraging these women. And so it's changed my life. I mean, I, all of this, all this work that we've talked about today has been kind of a byproduct of being allowed to discover who I am and what I was made to do. Wow. And I just th think about your journey going from bullying and, and probably not feeling great about yourself mm -hmm. to competing in pageants. Um, did that help you overcome any kind of fears or uh, false narratives that you were giving yourself? Oh, absolutely. I think for, I shared this the other day um, at a school appearance that I was at with some kids. I talked about the message that I heard as a child was you will never be enough. Um, your enough is never enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be smart enough. You're never going to be pretty enough. Um, and so I get to now take that message that I heard as a child and turn that pain into purpose. Mm. Um, and I get to share, you are enough. You are unique. You are special. You were created on purpose for purpose. And there's something that you yourself can only do. And so I take that message everywhere I go. And I talk about, yes, I write books. Yes, I speak. Um, yes, I'm a literacy advocate. And yeah, I do pageants. But at the end of the day, it's all about becoming who you were made to be. And so if I get to use this vehicle of pageantry to do that for myself and to kind of transcend that as well and be an example for other young women, that's the goal for me. So I want to give you an opportunity to um, thank your parents because they raised a very strong, independent yes. young lady. What, uh, yes. Tell me what traits you get from your dad, what traits do you get from your mom? So, oh my goodness, my parents. I was on a date the other day and I think I spent 60% of that date talking about my parents. Good thing he loved it because um, he, he thought that was great. But we have a very tight-knit family. Um, when you experience what we experienced coming into Texas, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. We slept on air mattresses. I watched my father go without food, eating ketchup and rice, so that we could eat a meal. That shapes you as a person. Um, my father came into this country with a Spanish-English dictionary, and he learned to speak English in college in front of other people who were viciously cruel to him. Um, my mother is dyslexic, and she has a learning disability, and she was told she would never graduate college. And she graduated with not one, but two degrees. So resilience is in my blood. Discipline is in my blood. Overcoming is in my blood. And I have had some of the best examples of that through my parents. Wow. It must be weird for you now to be a role model for other young ladies. I mean, I have, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've gotten that compliment from you know little girls mm -hmm. that heard you speak and say, I want to be you when I grow up. Yeah. Um, it's always really humbling, I think. And you have to be, I feel so accountable to that as well. Uh, the other day, I, again, I was at another school experience and I had worn my hair natural. I flattened it today, but you know, I have a Latina background. So I have naturally curly hair. Um, and I had one little girl come up to me and she was touching my hair. And she goes, your hair looks like my hair. And so that reminded me I have to be okay with who I am because I am an example for these young girls. Uh, whether my hair is straight, whether it's curly, uh, whether I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt or I'm dressed up in a nice green dress, uh, I am an example for young ladies and I want them to know that it's totally okay to be exactly who you were made to be. And so I take that everywhere I go, whether it's in a school, whether I'm at a church event, whether I'm speaking to thousands of people around the globe, I want people to know it's okay to be who you are. Okay. In the, in the final minute or two, I want you to address the young lady who's watching this right now, who is going through some stuff, whether it's bullying or, you know, uh, challenges with uh, poverty. What, what do you want to say to that young lady? You are not defined by your circumstances. 
Um, your circumstances just happen to be what they are. Um, but what you do with those circumstances is what will determine who you become. Um, I am someone who has overcome poverty, abuse, bullying, um, some of the worst circumstances that you can have in your life. Um, and my life very much so looks this way. One thing I always say is you don't have to be an international advocate. You don't have to be an author. You don't have to be a speaker. You don't even have to be a pageant queen. Um, but it's about knowing that you were made on purpose for purpose. There's a special plan for your life. There's a special calling on your life. And I encourage you and exhort you to step into that. Figure out what your passion is, figure out what your purpose is, because those are great guiding, guiding guidelines to lead you into what you were made to be. And if you have any questions, I have a website. It's www.maddiefrankies.com. Please fill out that form and reach out to me. I would love to help you with whatever I can help you with. Wow, what an amazing guest. You have such an incredible story. Thank, thank you, you for so having much me. for sharing. Yeah, yes. thank you for sharing it. We're gonna end with the website again, maddiefrankies.com. Maddie, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That's it for now. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.